Welcome back to The Cross Stands. I'm Father Bryce coming to you from Morgan City, Louisiana. And today and next time, and maybe a little more, we'll see, we're talking about my favorite topic, that is the Bible, the, the sacred scriptures. So the first question is, well, let's back up from that. Last time we talked about Revelation, and we said that Revelation is given to us in two ways, in it in written form and in handed down form it's given it's written it's handed down it's scripture and it's tradition because tradition to tradition something trotto in latin literally means to hand down so now we're talking specifically about revelation in the written form that is the bible that is the sacred scripture so what is the bible the bible the catechism teaches us is the words of God in the words of men. So who wrote the Bible? Well, God wrote the Bible. The Holy Spirit is the primary author of sacred scripture. But who wrote the Bible? Well, all kinds of people wrote the different books of the Bible. Moses and Joshua and Peter and Paul and Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and and, and many others cooperated with God, cooperated with the Holy Spirit, so as to write down the, the Word of God. So the Bible is the words of God in the words of men. It's kind of like uh, the Incarnation. It's, it's kind of like, like the mystery of Christmas. God, the eternal Word of God, the Son, the eternal Word of God, that is God the Son, took on a human nature. He was still fully God. Jesus was always, always, always fully God. But he took on this human body, uh, this, this human soul, this all, everything of a human nature in his one divine person. And when Jesus acted in his human body, it was God acting because Jesus is God. And we call this the incarnational principle. And the scriptures were written in a similar way. God allowed human beings to cooperate with him. The word of God was put down on paper in such a way that, um, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the rest of them, they, they weren't like ancient copy machines. They wasn't, it wasn't as if they were hypnotized or as if they were zombies just writing down what God was dictating to them. That's not how it worked. They used their minds and their hands and their wills and their, their own thoughts and their own experiences and their own memories to write down that and only that which God desired them to write, which God inspired them to write. The Catechism says in paragraph 109, to interpret Scripture correctly, the reader must be attentive to what the human authors truly wanted to affirm. So that's the human authors. And to what God wanted to reveal to us by their words. The words of God in the words of men. Well, that's what the, what the Bible is. The Bible is a collection of books written over something like 1,500 years. Wherein men, perhaps women as well, were wrote down uh, various works, some history, some poetry, some song, some um, some encouragement, uh, uh, some proverbs, various types of works under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, 
so that we can say that God is truly the author of sacred scripture and also working together with God is these are are these human authors. Okay, so now that we know the, what the Bible is, the words of God and the words of men, how do we interpret it? How do we come to understand what it means as we read it? Well, uh, the Second Vatican Council, a little over 50 years ago, uh, gave us three criteria for interpreting the Bible. Number one is to be especially attentive to the content and the unity of the whole Scripture. In other words, the whole scripture fits together, uh, kind of like a mosaic. And especially when we're looking from the Old Testament to the New Testament or the New Testament to the Old Testament, we can remember the words of St. Augustine. The New Testament lies hidden in the Old, and the Old is unveiled in the New. And so if we uh, think something in the Old Testament contradicts something in the New Testament, we know we know we've we've got it wrong that that's not the right interpretation. But if something in the Old Testament, for example, seems to contradict something in the New Testament, well, then there's simply an apparent contradiction, and we need to apply our minds to figure out okay, what's what's going on here? Why does it appear to contradict? My Bible professor at seminary he would say, um, when the Bible zigs, when I would have zagged. We know there's something important there. So when the Bible goes one way and we say, huh? And we kind of get a, a little shocked. Then there, there's something important. There's something for us to learn, someplace for us to grow. So we should be especially attentive to the content and unity of all of Scripture. And uh, in special cases of the Old Testament and the New and the New Testament and the Old, we remember the, the words of St. Augustine. The New Testament lies hidden in the Old. And the Old Testament is revealed in the New. The second criteria for interpreting the Bible is read the scriptures within the living tradition of the whole church. Remember, we'll we'll learn a little bit about this next time, that the tradition came first. Remember, Jesus didn't write anything down except those words in the sand. He didn't uh, command his apostles and they didn't write down a a command to to write certain things down, but uh, it was oral. It was handed on by word of mouth, by the preaching of Peter and the preaching of Paul and of Stephen and of Philip and of John and of all the rest. In the Old Testament, Moses and Joshua and down through the ages and the words of the prophets, they were memorized, they were written down, the stories, the history was told, and then, and then it was given expression, inspired by the Holy Spirit, in the written word of God, in the sacred scriptures. And so if we read the scriptures and it seems to contradict some teaching of the church, some teaching that has been handed on to us, well then, that's clearly we're reading something wrong um, because the, the scriptures come out of the tradition and both the scripture and tradition together form the deposit of divine revelation, the deposit of faith that God has given to us. And God doesn't contradict himself. So the scripture and the tradition uh, can't contradict themselves either. Um, and also, we learn from the people who came before us. Like St. John Chrysostom I preached on the letters of Paul until we read what he said about them. Uh, St. Jerome translated the Bible and commented on it. So we read what he said and what he learned, what he knew. 
we read uh, St. Thomas Aquinas on the Bible. We, we go back to, um, to that which has come before us uh, to, to learn and to receive all the interpretation of the scriptures that had been handed down. And then finally, number three, we are attentive to the analogy of the faith. In other words, that all the truths, all the truths contained in scripture, all the truths handed down in uh, sacred tradition, they all fit together. And it's really, it's like a mosaic. A mosaic, it has all these little pieces that's just just a little gold piece or a little blue square or a little white you know, triangle of, of whatever the mosaic's made out of. And, and if you look really close, that's all you can see. You see the little gold square, the little blue square, the little white triangle. But then when you step back, you see this beautiful image made up of all these little tiny pieces fit together in the right way. And that's, that's a, well, an analogy for the analogy of faith. That all the truths that God has given to us in Revelation, all the truths he has revealed to us, are, are each like a little piece, a little gold square, a little blue blue square, a little white triangle. And when we step back, we can see them all together. So if it looks like when we're trying to interpret the scripture that some of the pieces of the mosaic are out of place, well then that's where we want to study. And that's where we have an opportunity to learn because the mosaics are not out of place, uh, but, but we, need to, we need to know better how they fit in. And one of the ways to do that is then to go back and to read the living tradition, to read how the scripture has been interpreted by the church and by the great saints and great commentators on scripture over the ages. So what is the, the Bible? The Bible is the words of God in the words of men. We interpret it by being attentive to the content and unity of all of scripture. We interpret it in the context of the living tradition of the church. And we are attentive to the analogy of faith. So that, that, that teaches us how to not get stuff wrong and, and it gives us some insight. But if we want to see the whole picture, if we want to have a true understanding of Scripture, we need to bring together all of its senses. For example, if I walk outside and want to experience nature, but my eyes are closed, well, I can experience some things. I can hear maybe the birds chirping or the, or the animals. I can, I can smell maybe the, the fresh-cut grass or, or the pine trees or, or wherever I am. I can feel the wind on my face, but, but there's no color. There's no movement that I can see. I can't see because my eyes are closed. If I open my eyes, there's a different experience. There's a more complete experience. Not only can I feel the wind on my face, and not only can I smell the fresh-cut grass, the pine trees, not only can I hear the animals, but I can also see it. So too, when we interpret the scripture, we want to use all of the senses that scripture presents to us so that we can have a full understanding and enter more deeply into the beauty of the scripture. So there are two senses of sacred scripture, the second of which has uh, several subcategories. So the first is the literal sense. Real simple. What do the words and the images mean in their original context? Uh, simple as that. What do the words mean? Like, what is it? It, it was written in Greek or in Hebrew or in Aramaic. Right? What does that word mean? And particularly, what kind of connotations did that have in uh, 2000 or, or 
3,000 years ago uh, when this particular book of the Bible was being written. What genre is it? Is it history? Is it poetry? Is it prophecy? Is it song? Is it proverb? What, what genre is it? What kind of writing is it? And so what the words mean? That's it. The, lit- the literal sense. It takes a lot to get at the literal sense because we have to know, learn all these things about the words and the ancient Jewish culture and so forth. Uh, but simple, simple as that. The second sense is the spiritual sense. And the spiritual sense takes us deeper into the scripture. It takes us deeper into, into God's desire uh, to reveal himself to us in the scripture. God reveals himself in the literal sense, and God reveals himself in the spiritual sense. There are three, three spiritual senses or three subcategories of the spiritual sense. Uh, the first is the analogical or typological and the analogical or typological sense of scripture uh, is by where we understand more completely the events of scripture by recognizing their significance in christ for example when god freed his people from egypt and from the tyranny of pharaoh they passed through the red sea and that's a real historical event that really happened somewhere between like 1500 and maybe 1350 or so BC. But that's not all that it is. The passing through the Red Sea also points forward to baptism. The Red Sea is an image of baptism. The passage through the Red Sea teaches us something about baptism. And and God intended that from the very beginning. Like when even though the passing through the Red Sea happened 1300 or 1500 years before the first Christmas happened before the over a thousand years before Jesus instituted the sacrament of baptism. God knew and God planned that the crossing of the Red Sea would would tell us about baptism. It would teach us about baptism. And so we call the passing through the Red Sea a type of baptism. Type means like an image um, or something that's, that's kind of pressed in. Well, like like typing uh, on a, like an old typewriter or a um, or like a printing press where it's pressed. The letters are pressed on to the page. So to this, the type is an impression or a um, an image of what is to come. So the crossing of the Red Sea is an image of baptism. And the, the reason it works like this is because well, God because God is the author of all of all of history that God can use things to symbolize other things. So if we want to symbolize the red the crossing of the Red Sea, we'll write it down and we'll 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 use the symbol of words and letters that, that we can write or that we can speak to, to signify the crossing of the Red Sea. Well God doesn't just use words as uh, or as signs of things, but God uses things, historical events as signs of other things, because God is the author of history, and God works can work in things bigger than words, such as historical events. Well, that's the first of the spiritual senses. God uses things as signs of other things. We understand more completely the events of Scripture by recognizing their significance in Christ. The second is the moral sense, where the Scripture just shows us how to act. Sometimes it tells us how to act very clearly, and at other times, it just shows us. So the example of Jesus teaches us how to act, as do 
the words of Jesus, uh, where, where he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, that's how you got to act. And then we also see Jesus love his enemies and pray for those who persecute him, for example, on the cross. So that both the words of Scripture and the examples of first Jesus, who's God himself, and then the other saints, um, Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Peter, Paul, James, so forth, they show us how to act. So that's the moral sense that's pretty clear. And finally for today, uh, the anagogical sense. Anagogical just comes from the Greek word uh, ago or anago, and it just means to lead. In the analogical sense, we view realities and events in light of their eternal significance, leading us toward our true homeland. Thus, the church on earth is a sign of the heavenly Jerusalem. So if, if, if we have the typological sense at first, where uh, things, for example, in the Old Testament point to uh, mysteries of Christ, then we can see that the mysteries of the church on earth point to heaven. It's kind of a, a threefold progress. The church fathers would sometimes say this in the terms of shadow, image, and reality. So, for, for example, the Red Sea points forward to Christian baptism, the baptism of Jesus, and Christian baptism points forward to the, to the hope of heaven. Okay. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. So the Red Sea points to baptism, and baptism, as we become children of God, points, points to heaven points to the new creation where we shall be like Jesus, seeing him as he is. And we don't know all of what that means. We don't know all of what that looks like. And that's, that's, that's the mystery. It's that God is bigger than you and he's bigger than me. And that God is leading us on and leading us into unimaginable adventures. Leading us into unimaginable grace and unimaginable joy and the anagogical sense of scripture shows us that it showed it shows us where god is leading you and me and his whole church and his whole creation should we choose to accept him should we receive baptism should we live in a state of grace avoiding mortal sin or repenting in confession if god forbid we fall into it that the anagogical sense shows us uh, what's coming from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And because we know that God was faithful to his promises before, so too we know that God will be faithful again. So when we read in the, the spiritual senses of the sacred scripture, we are given confidence by the analogical sense. We learn what to do from the moral sense. And then we are given hope of what eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor yet has dawned upon man as we read the anagogical sense. So, may we read deeply the literal and the spiritual senses of the scripture. May our reading of the in the spiritual senses always be based on the literal sense, as it, as it always must be. And might we be built up and led to heaven 
by the words of God in the words of men. So thanks for, for being with me today as we spoke of the sacred scripture on the cross stands. Next time, we'll go further into the sacred scripture and ask some more practical questions like, which books are in the Bible? And how did we get them? We'll ask a couple questions about, okay, Father, I want to read the Bible now, especially as we've just started this new year. How do I do that? Where should I start? What are some tips on reading the Bible? How do I read it? And which we already talked about a lot this time. And in which order should I read the books? We'll also tackle the very popular question of why do Catholic Bibles have more books than Protestant Bible. So thanks for tuning in today. Uh, Remember to follow us on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Uh, Click the like button that makes it show up uh, for more people who, uh, who are just scrolling through searching for a podcast. And please, Jesus, we can spread the good word, the good news that is the gospel all in Morgan City and as God wills to the end of the earth. God bless you. Happy New Year.